0: Would you take your copy of God's Word and go with me to John chapter 6? John chapter 6 and verses 28 and 29. I hope you have uh, taken up the challenge that we began here as we began studying chapter 6 of, of journaling your way along with us, writing these verses out, ahead of time and and letting God speak to you through his word and then maybe even writing some thoughts down of your own as you read these and write them down. It may seem like a simple thing to do to write out these verses, but I think in the simplicity is the fact that it makes us slow down and think and read carefully what we're writing, right? This week you had it easy. You only had two verses. I was taking it easy on you this week. Two verses. I hope you're you're joining along with us if you 're able to I know sometimes it's hard uh, for some of us to to write <laughs> to, um, to hold that hand steady, but if you 're able to write out those verses, I would encourage you to keep doing this and you know, on that little half sheet that was available when you came in today is our, is our next passage, not next Sunday but the week a week from next Sunday when we will pick up in verse thirty. but I hope you 're journaling along and and i've had some tell me as i 've been doing that i've been prepared God has uniquely prepared my heart for the for our time together in the word on Sunday when we when we preach and study the word together uh, as we open the word together so i hope you're doing that being encouraged by that and i would love to hear how that's going for you don't hesitate to communicate with me uh, what you're learning and how you're being encouraged or even questions you might have all right verse 28 and verse 29 let's look at them together john 6 then they said to him what must we do to be doing the works of god jesus answered them this is the work of god that you believe in him whom he has sent remember where we've come from so far we we, we saw these people who were amongst numbered amongst the great multitude, the great crowd, the 5000 plus, the 5000 plus women and children who were there whom Jesus fed with those small loaves, those five small loaves and those small fish and everyone ate their fill. And we noted it last week that these these people were searching for Jesus and when they found him they had misplaced their affections, what I meant was that they were, they were only concerned for today's needs. They were only concerned for having their bellies filled. They wanted him to feed them. They were only concerned about their stomachs. They had been with Jesus on the day that he fed those 5,000 plus, and now they had come seeking Jesus because, as Jesus says back in verse 26, they had eaten their fill. They had had all that they wanted to eat. They had plenty left over. And then in verse 27, Jesus gave them a a gentle rebuke and and admonished them that they should instead be laboring for the food that endures to eternal life. Don't labor for those things, he told them, that, that cannot last. They only last for today. Labor for that which endures to eternal life. Now, what is this food that endures to eternal life? Well, we noted it last time that this food that endures to eternal life is, is this. It is salvation through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. It is salvation. It is forgiveness of sins and eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the food that endures to eternal life. Of which Jesus spoke. But now here we come to these next verses, and we see they have a question. And in their question, we can see that they misunderstood Jesus. And we do that too sometimes. We come to the Bible and sometimes we misunderstand what the Bible is saying. And we don't see what what God is trying to communicate with us. And sometimes it's because we have misplaced affections and our our eyes are kind of veiled from what we ought to be really pursuing and sometimes it's the problem we see here in the text today because in the question we can see that they they misunderstand Jesus and we find that they have faulty beliefs last time we noticed that they had misplaced affections they had Their hearts were longing for things that were only temporary. Now we see that they have faulty belief. You see, there's only one thing worth pursuing with all your life. There's only one thing worth pursuing with every ounce of energy you have, and that is Jesus Christ and faith in Him. But they were thinking that Jesus meant that they must labor. (laughs) For something. They were thinking Jesus meant they must work for something. Look at their question again in verse 28. Then they said to him, What must we do? (laughs) What must we do to be doing the works of God? What must we do to be doing the works of God? Now that almost that almost sounds like the question we hear elsewhere in Scripture in Acts chapter sixteen and verse thirty, when the jailer said to Paul and Silas, remember what he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I say it almost sounds like the question he asked because it's really not the question he asked. The question he asked was he wanted to know how to be saved, and they were thinking, what must we do? What works must we do? But that is a common question. When spiritual veil begins to, to lift from darkened eyes, the question is often, what now? What do I do now? What must I do? And they were thinking, what work must we do? Because he did use the word labor. Labor for that which endures. But these people who'd come looking for Jesus didn't understand him, did they? They didn't understand what he was asking, what he was telling them. They also didn't understand themselves. They thought there was something that they could do. <laughs> you know, if you think that there's something you can do to measure up to God's standards, you don't understand God, and you definitely don't understand yourself. you realize that? Because if you think, and they were thinking this, if you think you're good enough, if you're and it would it would mean that you'd have to be sinless because that's how God's word challenges us about our need for a savior It challenges us in our lack of sinlessness. We aren't sinless, are we? If you think there is something you can do, you don't understand yourself. They didn't understand themselves. They thought there was something they could do to measure up to God's standard. And you know what their problem was? They thought they were essentially okay. They thought they were all right. They thought they were basically good. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you remember a time when you thought you were basically a good person before you realized you were really a sinner in need of saving. I mean, what could possibly be wrong with me? I mean, I I think that way sometimes. I look at my wife and I think, this isn't fair, she's not here. Um, she's a junior church train. I look at her and I say, what could possibly be wrong with me? Look at her! Right? And I'm sure she says that about me. right? We do that. We look around and we go, What's, what could possibly be wrong with me? Look at them! Right? We were joking about I think we were talking last night at our fellowship time that, that there's a show I don't know don't know what it's called, but it's about the dumbest criminals, right <laughs> you know the guy who who uh you know um i don't know leaves his driver's license at the scene of a bank robbery or something like that, and we go, look at him, what's yeah uh, look at him, I mean right, what's wrong with me? I'm pretty good, I'm not bad i'm I'm intelligent, I'm smart i can you know what their trouble was. Is that they weren't looking at their own sinful hearts. they weren't looking at their own sin nature, they were looking at their you know what they were looking at, they were looking at their external actions, which can be very deceiving. Yeah? Did you agree with that? I mean because you and I I'm I looking at you this morning and you look really good, right? And we look all right this morning. We all spent some time in front of the mirror this morning, right? We all have power. Right? Did we all have power this morning? So we're all thankful that we were able to run the hot water and clean up and, and you know shower and shave and all that. And we look pretty good this morning. We can't see our hearts. and We can't see the heart, can we? And Jesus could see the heart. They weren't even thinking about their own sin. The trouble is that they... They weren't looking at their own sinful hearts. They were looking at their external actions, which could at times, you could say a person's external actions could be considered to be pretty good. Especially if you're in the comparison game, right? When you compare your actions with the actions of others. In fact, I want you to go with me to Matthew 23. Go to Matthew 23 because it's there in Matthew 23 we discover that, that this is just what they were being taught by their religious leaders that they should be concerned with the external. This kind of outward thinking is just what we see Jesus challenging when in Matthew 23, He condemns their religious leaders' hypocrisy. I want you to look at it with me. Matthew 23, beginning in verse 25. Matthew 23 and verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like white-washed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness so you also outwardly appear righteous to others but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness do you hear you hear the challenge from jesus woe to you here's a word of warning that they should have heeded And you need to stop and realize that these are their religious leaders. The people that we're seeing in John 6, this is their religious leaders. And what was their problem? Well, their problem was they too had faulty beliefs. They were only seriously concerned with the external. I mean, Jesus compared the way they lived their lives to taking a filthy dish and only wiping off the outside, leaving... The inside, just as filthy as before. Could you imagine doing that? Would you do that at your house? Oh, don't worry about a little food. It's all going to the same place. Let's just save it for next time. Put it back in a cupboard. I don't care if you use that one or I, you know, it's all right. We wouldn't do that. We would shiver to do that. He's like, ooh, yeah, I don't want to do that. But that's the way they were living their lives. Wiping off the external. Oh, it looks okay now. And Jesus says, You're filthy inside. You're hypocrites. He also compared their, their sin-ridden lives to, to well-cared-for tombs. You know, they used to whitewash their tombs and they would make them look very clean and very nice externally. But you know what's in a tomb, right? I mean, you wouldn't go eat lunch there because all, all that's there is, is rotting bones and uncleanness, Right? Now I want you to go with me to Luke 18. Luke chapter 18. We see the problem of these people who sought after Jesus very clearly illustrated here in Luke 18. Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. Luke 18 and verse 9, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. You hear that? To some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus... God, I thank you that I'm not like the other man or the other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. We kind of say that too. Taxes. Verse 12, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Verse 13, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, that was the trouble. With those who asked Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Back in John 6. You can go back to John 6. You see, they didn't understand what Jesus was telling them. They didn't understand themselves. They had faulty beliefs. They didn't understand what Jesus was telling them, that they were to put their faith in him to receive the gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life. They overvalued their own works, misunderstanding themselves. They had seriously faulty beliefs, and their faulty beliefs included the fact that they thought they were pretty good. They thought they could do the works that God required of them, whatever those may be. And that's another error. To think that we could measure up somehow in our own strength. That we could do what's required of us, whatever is required of us. You see, they, they really couldn't live up to God's standard of righteousness. And neither can we. You realize that? We cannot measure up to a holy and just and righteous God. We cannot measure up to His standards of righteousness in our own strength by doing something that we can muster up in and of ourselves. You see, it's not just these people in John 6. This is a worldwide problem. Everyone believes something. Would you agree with that? Everyone believes something. And some would say, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you believe something. Something. And if you believe that, you'd be seriously mistaken. Everyone believes something, but beliefs that aren't formed on the truth of the gospel are faulty. Do you realize that if you put your hope or trust in anything or anyone other than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have faulty beliefs? And here's why we often have faulty beliefs. is because we're blinded by sin. That was the problem of these people here in John 6. They were blinded by their own sin. The fact is, their sin had caused spiritual blindness, and so does ours. Do you realize that even as a follower of Christ, your sin can cause spiritual blindness? That you can begin to get hardened to your own sin and begin to stop seeing your need for repentance and and obedience? We're blinded by sin. And their sin had caused spiritual blindness, and so does ours. Their sin had caused faulty beliefs. In fact, we see it pointed to in Romans 3, when Paul writes in Romans 3, 9, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. And then later in verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So here's the problem. Without right beliefs, we're all going to die in our sins. You see, with faulty beliefs, you are condemned already. You are going to die in your sins. You're going to die to face God's eternal and righteous and just judgment. you realize that? With faulty beliefs... You face the just and righteous wrath of God and we don't like talking about the wrath of God do we? but you you better face it if you're questioning whether or not this is important. whether belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus alone is important, your eternal destiny hangs in the balance and you realize that a righteous and holy God cannot. Endure, cannot stand, cannot put up with our sin. Cannot allow our sin to go unpunished, undealt with. So how can they and how can we overcome faulty beliefs? Here's how. Here's what anyone who would be saved from their sins must do. And Jesus gives the answer in verse 29. Look at verse 29 again in chapter 6 of John. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. You want to do something? You want to know what you should do? Well, you can't do anything. But if you want to do something, believe. Believe in Jesus Christ. You see, that's the answer to their question. What must we do? And the answer isn't in doing. It's in believing, isn't it? It's in believing in Jesus Christ. Specifically, believing in Him whom the Father has sent. Listen, God the Father sends God the Son to take the wrath of the Father on his own shoulders, for your sin and mine. And acceptance by God is only through belief in God the Son, Jesus Christ, the one whom the Father has sent. It's not in being as in being a better person. You see, that's what comes after you believe. God begins to make you more like Christ. It's not in doing, as in doing more good works, especially more than the next guy. And it's not in anything you can do. It's not in anything you think you can do to please God. It's only in believing in Jesus Christ. We must change our faulty beliefs to believe the gospel. And the gospel says that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through him. You see, there's nothing we can do. To save ourselves or make ourselves acceptable according to God's righteous standard. Because there are no people who are righteous and there is no one who can be righteous by performing good works. Because even our good works apart from Christ are still steeped in sin. Because we're trying to perform. We're trying to do And that is an affront to a holy God who says, you cannot do. And so even good works are sin in the face of a holy and just God who says, I sent my son to take the punishment for your sins. How dare you try to be good to make yourself acceptable in my sight? But there is a way to be approved of by God, and that's by believing in the one he sent. Believing in the answer, Jesus Christ, to our sins. And belief in God the Son is the only way to forgiveness of sin because Jesus Christ is the only acceptable sacrifice. God's Word points to this truth repeatedly. We find this foretelling of the coming Christ in Isaiah 53, back in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6, who would. Take the wrath of God on Himself for our sins. Isaiah 53 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom